We inform. Religious freedom is about people of faith being able to live out their faith, live out their convictions, no matter where they are. We equip. This is a battle of worldviews. And we activate. We also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character hope. This is AFA at the Core on American Family Radio. Welcome to the Core here on American Family Radio. Glad to have you with us on the show today, AFA at the Core. AFR.net is our website. AFR.net is our website. You can download the American Family Radio app as well. It's free. It's on your smartphone and your tablet device. It takes you just a couple minutes to download the AFR app on your smartphone. You can. Uh, lastly, you can watch the show by visiting AFA at the Core on Facebook. Or YouTube, AFA at the Core on Facebook or YouTube. You can watch the show at both of those locations uh, by going to AFA at the Core show page on Facebook or YouTube. Just go there and watch the show live. And uh, we're going to have a special guest coming on the show uh, next segment. We're going to have on with us, let me pull up his bio, Dr. Patrick Lapert. He'll be on. Uh, Dr. Patrick Lapert out of the state of Alabama. He's an MD. He'll be on with us to talk about the legislation that we interviewed the lawmaker out of Texas from uh, last week, uh, the bill that prevents, uh, well, we we got two bills going on in Alabama. We have the bill that prevents men from competing in women's sports, and then we have the, also the anti-child uh, mutilation bill which is what we'll talk about today with Dr. Lapert out of Alabama. We'll talk to him about why young children should not have their bodies mutilated in the name of transitioning genders. We'll talk with Dr. Patrick Lapert about that in the next segment, 120, so stay tuned for that. Psalm chapter 16 is where we are this week. Psalm chapter 16. Preserve me, O God, for in you I take refuge. I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. I have no good apart from you. As for the saints in the land, they are excellent ones in whom is all my delight. The sorrow of those who run after another God shall multiply. Their drink offerings of blood I will not pour out or take their names on my lips. The Lord is my chosen portion, my cup. You hold my lot. The lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. I bless the Lord who gives me counsel in the night. Also, my heart instructs me. I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I shall not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my whole being rejoices. My flesh also dwells secure. For you will not abandon my soul in Sheol or let your Holy One see corruption. You make known to me the path of life. In your presence, there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. The, what stands out to me, and I've, I'm studying the book of Isaiah as well, in addition to the book of Psalm, one chapter at a time, but one word that comes often, that is used often by the writers of Psalm and the writers of Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah, is the word Sheol, if I'm pronouncing that right, Sheol, as Sheol, and that is another word for 
hell. That's another word for hell. And so the author here of Psalm chapter 16 says, For you, talking about God, will not abandon my soul to hell, to Sheol, or let your Holy One see corruption. Talking about God's people, God's chosen one. Uh, so God doesn't abandon us, his, his believers, his people. He doesn't abandon us uh, to eternal damnation. Instead, he offers us eternal life. Uh, into the show topics for today, we have a jam-packed show, a lot of content. The first thing I want to get to is the the climate change green energy hoax <laughs> that has been um, laid before the American people over and over again. John Kerry has been making a good, good living grifting around the country, around the world in his private jet raising billions, or rather hundreds of millions of dollars, to save the world from carbon emissions. That is what has been going on for a long time now. The Al Gore, the Al Gore grifting has been around for a long time, goes back a couple presidencies. He's Biden's climate czar now. And so... I have to keep exposing this because we just can't all buy into the belief that carbon emissions are evil, that carbon emissions are bad for the environment. We just cannot buy into that narrative, and I will tell you why, and I'll tell tell you why over and over again to where all of you are going to be knowledgeable on this, and then you can tell your friends that are guilt-tripping you for driving your carbon-emitting vehicle, you can tell them and inform them about the hoax, and then we can all be knowledgeable on the, on the subject, and we can stop claiming as though we are morally superior if we drive an EV. That's what they call them, the EVs. If you drive an electric vehicle, uh, you are no better than I, my friend. You are no better than I. You might be cooler than I am. Your car might be quieter than mine. Um, but you're not uh, you're not morally superior than those of us who are still driving traditional gas burning vehicles. By the way, I had a run in with a, one of the newer vehicles this weekend. This is a, a rabbit trail, but we're gonna take it for a few minutes. A lady was was uh, she ran out of gas in the middle of the road, just slap dab in the middle of the road, ran out of gas. Of course, I didn't know what was going on, so I just pull up behind her going like 50 miles an hour over a hill, and I stop, and I'm like, this is not a good situation here. So I put my car in park, cut my flashers on, my hazard lights, as they're formally called, and I think I thought to myself, I'm going to at least push the car out of the road. I mean, let's at least get this vehicle out of the middle of the road <laughs> before somebody hits her. So I get out, and I go to... Uh, to push her out of the way, and I say, you know, let's put this thing in neutral. That's what you do. You put it in neutral, and you can push it out of the way. Well, um, it wouldn't go in neutral. You want to know why it wouldn't go in neutral? Because everything was electronic. And, yes, there is a manual override, and it takes some finagling, and you got to have the right tools. But nobody knew how to put this thing in neutral. 
It wouldn't start, and the little knob that turns the gears, the little electronic knob, wouldn't wouldn't budge, wouldn't go anywhere. So she's stuck in park in the middle of the road, no neutral, because you got to have all everything's got to be booted up, and all the computers got to be running to put it in neutral. And so I later did some studying, and I figured out how you can override that. It takes you about five or ten minutes, but all that to say. Sometimes computers aren't superior to traditional uh, machinery or technology. Although, you know, computers get pitched as the latest and the greatest, and you can't get better than computers. But this weekend, it sure would have been nice to have a traditional gear shift. Put your foot on the brake, move that thing in neutral, and push it out of the road. But uh, that didn't work out, so I left her. (laughs) I had to leave, and uh, she had to wait on gas to move her car out of the road. Uh, So just a little story there about how uh, sometimes the old way of doing things is the best way of doing things. Uh, But uh, moving to the electric vehicle obsession that everybody has now, in order to build these batteries, this people know, most most of you guys know this, but they call them lithium-ion batteries for a reason, because the lithium mineral, the rare earth uh, mineral called lithium, is used to build the batteries. All right, that's why they're called lithium-ion batteries. Well, you can't have all the electric vehicles without lithium-ion batteries, and that's a no-brainer, all right? Well, the U.S. government is, is, is pushing this electric vehicle thing like I've never seen before. I've never seen a marketing campaign, a PR push, a regulatory push of this magnitude in a long time. So I got to thinking this morning, you know, what is going on here? Like, there's got to be more to this story because we know the climate change narrative is a hoax. We know the climate change narrative is a hoax. So what is driving this? Why the obsession? Why the constant pushing of electric vehicles? Well, let's find out where the money is. All right. I'm going to go through today the seven largest lithium mining companies as of 2022 and where they are located. This tells you where the money is going, folks. This tells you exactly where the money is going as it relates to the U.S. government and the Biden administration pushing and forcing the electric vehicle um, narrative and the electrical electric vehicle market on the American public. The number one lithium mining company in the world, guess where they're out of? China. China. Yes, that's right. I can't pronounce their name, the name of their company. Jian Shi Gang Fang. <laughs> that was terrible. Anyway, they're out of China. There are, um, they're an important Chinese lithium producer. It's China's largest lithium compound producer and is one of the world's largest lithium metal producers in terms of production capacity. All right, so number one company is located and run by the Chinese Communist Party in China. All right, number one producer of lithium is in China. The number two producer of lithium in the world with a market cap of $23 billion is Tanqi 
Lithium, that's the name of the company, Taki, Tanki Lithium. Well, where are they? In Detroit? <laughs> Good guess. But they're in China. The number two producer of lithium is in China. All right, top two producers in the world are both in China. Moving to the third with a market cap of about $22 billion. This uh, company is named Albarum. Oh, why can't they just be named like something American, something simple? These are all foreign foreign names. A-L-B-E-M-A-R-L-E. This is the name Albemarle. of this. Albemarle. Albemarle. All right, you probably heard of this company before. Very much so, yeah. They are the third largest producer of lithium mineral. Got about 5,000 employees, customers in 100 different countries globally. They are located in, if it's, this story says, Chile. Mm. They have uh, most of their processing facilities are in Chile or Chile. Um, that's where they're located. Nope, not in Detroit, not in Florida, not in California. The fourth largest they do have some operations in the U.S. I will note that. Um, near Clayton Valley, Silver Peak in the U.S. Bobby, do you know where on earth that is? Um, look that up. Clayton Valley here in the United States. That's They do some operations there. But they're also in Chile. The fourth largest producer of lithium in the world... It's also in Chile. Their primary business is in Chile. All right, moving on. Where do you got, Bobby? California, I think. Okay, so part of their operation is in California. The rest is down in South America. Uh, the- disregard, Nevada. I'm sorry. Nevada. Uh, yeah, it's about 190 south northwest of Vegas. Gotcha. The fifth, Pilbara Minerals. They are in Australia. We still don't have an American-based company producing lithium. The sixth uh, largest lithium producer, $4 billion market cap, is Aukim. Aukim. They are Argentina. <laughs> the last, the seventh largest with a market cap of about $3.7 billion is Livet. Livet has manufacturing sites in the U.S., England, India, China, and Argentina. More on this after the break. And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. Acts 17.26 conveys to us the reality that we were born and placed in the 21st century by God's specific design. He determined before time where we would live and when we would live there. If you're in Minnesota, Mississippi, or Maine, God put you there on purpose. He's not surprised by the darkness we see around us, nor is he caught off guard by it. In fact, he specifically prepared for it by making sure you're alive right now. God can do whatever he wants, but he's chosen to use you and me as ambassadors of his kingdom. We are his torches to light up the darkness. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association.
This is Raising God the Girls Minute with Patty Garibay of American Heritage Girls. Throughout the Bible, we see that God wants an open line of communication with us, whether it came through the high priest in the Old Testament or through direct words in Jesus' or his apostles' lives. Prayer makes a holy God accessible to a flawed us. Many people of faith know prayer as communication with God, but beyond that, the purpose of prayer might be a little fuzzy. Why do we pray? Is it to get what we ask for, or is it to move in alignment with the Lord's will? Check in with your daughter to see how she views prayer. Lead her to approach God honestly and to have a listening heart open to receive his refinement in her prayers. She will come to marvel at God's majesty as well as his gentleness. We are all called to raise up the next generation of Christian leaders. Learn more about empowering girls at RaisingGodlyGirls.com. Here's some great news. If you missed the deadline to sign up for health insurance, or if like a lot of people, you just have a plan you're not happy with, you still have a choice. It's called MediShare. It's a Christian healthcare sharing program. There are more than 400,000 members now, and they love it. In fact, MediShare has double the customer satisfaction rate compared to that of health insurance. And MediShare really is the gold standard when it comes to healthcare sharing. It's been around more than 25 years. Members have shared more than $4 billion of each other's medical bills. Plus, MediShare is for you. It has saved its members billions by advocating on their behalf. Best of all, the typical savings for a family is around $6,000 a year. So if you think you're stuck with a high-cost health plan that doesn't have much to offer, think again. MediShare has a 98% customer satisfaction rating, and you are invited to be part of it. Call now. 833-44-BIBLE. That's 833-44-BIBLE. 833-44-BIBLE. AFA at the Core podcast are available at AFR.net. Back to AFA at the Core on American Family Radio. Welcome back to the core. There's just not enough time in our segments to just put a bow on the subjects that we talk about on the show. But I'm going to wrap up the last segment and then we're going to introduce our guest. The top seven companies uh, that are the major producers of lithium in the world, um, you notice there. None of them are headquartered out of the U.S., and few of them have major operations in the U.S. But I told Bobby during the break, this is the final step towards globalization. What do I mean by that? The last, one of the last remaining sectors of our economy that we control, that we can produce, that we can export is energy, oil, natural gas. But you move over to the EVs in the name of climate change, then now we own nothing. America produces and owns nothing. With China buying up all the farmland in America, then you export the not only the manufacturing, but the lithium battery production. You export that overseas. And uh, you think we got problems now with our supply chain and uh, reliance on other countries, you put the making of our batteries in the hands of China, Argentina, and uh, and other world uh, powers or world leaders that don't have our interest at heart. We'll continue this discussion. But moving to our guest, we have on the line with us Dr. Patrick Lapert out of uh, the state of Alabama. He's an MD. 
been practicing uh, in the field of plastic surgery for over 25 years. Doctor, welcome to the core. Thanks for having me on, uh, Walker. Uh, uh, before we jump to this topic, tell our audience a little bit about your background, where you've been practicing, and um, how it's going there in your medical practice. Okay. Well, my background is uh, I'm an MD. I, I, I trained when I was on active duty in the Navy. I served for 24 years. The Navy made me a, a general surgeon and a, a trauma combat reconstructive surgeon. I uh, did my plastic and reconstructive surgery residency and then served, uh, served out my 24-year hitch. Uh, my, my experience is primarily with uh, reconstructive surgery, limb salvage, cancer, trauma, and congenital deformities in children. And I have extensive experience with wound care. But I came to this particular issue that we're talking about today. Uh, basically, it was sort of a providential thing, kind of a God thing. But, uh, but because of my, my knowledge of uh, plastic surgery, uh, transgender is, is, is one of those issues that's, that's in the world of plastic surgery. And the moral and ethical implications of that are, are pretty significant. And I got involved in this effort to, to get legislation passed in the state of Alabama to protect children from this really misguided uh, medical interventions that's really driven by ideology rather than good medicine. So. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's what I wanted, that's wanted, what I wanted to have you on to talk about, doctor. So okay. Alabama has a bill pending uh, before the legislature and then hopefully we'll make it to the governor's desk to prevent um, – youth from having sex change hormone treatments, um, which is common sense. Other states have done this to protect the innocence and the decision-making, honestly, of children. They're not in a position at that age to be making life-altering decisions on the future of their body. Tell our, tell our uh, audience a little bit about, number one, how this works, the implications, what's all involved here? Well, I, I, implications of the legislation or the, well, or the bad medicine? Well, the, practicality, uh, the, the practical implications of what happens to these young people okay. who, who okay. mutilate their well, bodies or take these hormone treatments. All right. So historically, and we've known this for a long time, this isn't a new topic. The idea of transgender has been in the, in the mind of medicine for many, many years. We know uh, from all those years of experience that the vast majority of children who experience these cross-sex self-identifications get over it during puberty. Uh, 80% of children who have cross-sex self-identification get over it in, in puberty. And by the time you follow them into young adulthood, over 92% of them have gotten over it. However, if you take those same children and you put them in gender clinics like we have all over America now, those same children are virtually guaranteed. The number is very close to 100% of them will persist in these cross-sex self-identification and will go on to take puberty blockers and cross-sex hormones, which have lifelong implications. And it's being sold to parents. It's being sold to school teachers and nurses and to the children themselves as the only course of treatment for cross-sex self-identifying children, gender dysphoric children. And that is a huge lie. Mm. a huge lie, but there's a lot of money to be made in that huge lie. And that money is flowing. It's flowing from major organizations, major uh, political interest groups, and uh, and children are paying the price. Yeah, that's interesting. You bring all the repercussions up here, doctor, because that th that's what the media is not going to cover. They're not going to do the follow up story on the 13 year old who had hormone treatment and all this disgusting stuff done to their body uh, because their parents pushed it on them and they fostered that uh, that mental situation to where. The, the, the media is not following them 10 years down the road where they experience regret. And we covered that 
Uh, we produced a documentary called In His Image where we had testimonies of people who had gone through this. They had regrets. Thankfully, uh, they came to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. He completely transformed their life. They they embraced their how God created them. Um, but that 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 sad situation that you just described is not getting covered uh, and not getting the airtime. So I'm glad you're bringing it up. Uh, let me ask you this, and this is uh, people are going to say duh, but this is what's not being asked, maybe because it's so elementary. But uh, Dr. Lapert, can you, as a doctor, change someone's sex? Absolutely not. You cannot change someone's sex uh, because sex is determined at the instant of a fertilization, at the moment that the, the new human life comes into existence. And, uh, and it, it affects every single somatic cell of the body. They're either going to be uh, 46 chromosomes, an X and a Y, or an X and an X. And, uh, and every cell in the body will reflect that gendered self, that sexed self. And you cannot change that. You certainly can't change it with giving uh, a child huge doses of hormones to make them appear the other sex. And you certainly can't change it by mutilating their genitals and creating counterfeit structures uh, because all you've done is you've created a counterfeit. They're still a, a man or a woman as they were born, uh, as they were created, I should say, at the instant of, of uh, fertilization. So, yes, you can't change that. And uh, unfortunately, the world of plastic surgery loves to sell the public on the idea that we're geniuses and, and, you know, impeccable artists and things like that. If you ever see the actual work of gender affirmation surgery, as they like to call it, it's a horror. It's an absolute freak show. Uh, mm. And it's nothing, uh, you're, you're not transforming anything. You're destroying gen the genital apparatus to create a counterfeit for a person who is suffering with an emotional wound. And you can't treat an emotional wound with surgery mm. or medicine. Amen. Couldn't hear it from anyone better than you, uh, Doctor. Thank you for thank you for pushing this bill, for promoting this bill in Alabama. Uh, where is it in the legislature? Uh, is it at the governor's desk yet? What's the status of it? Well, the governor has uh, made the public statement that she would sign it as soon as she comes across her desk, but she has people working to prevent that moment from happening. It's it's we have the votes to get it passed, but the Speaker of the House, Mac McCutcheon, refuses to bring it forward for a vote. He needs to get lots of phone calls from AF, AFR listeners. You need to call Mac McCutcheon's office. You need to call Governor Ivey's office and have her call Mac McCutcheon and tell him to bring that piece of legislation to her desk so she can sign it. This is the third year we've been trying to get this passed, and it always seems to end the same way, that people who claim to be on the side of children who are conservative, Republican, quote-unquote Christians, mm -hmm. refuse to bring it forward for a vote. This is that's that's reprehensible what you just outlined. This should be a no-brainer. This is protecting the innocence and the integrity of, of children's bodies. This is this should be a no-brainer. Yeah. Uh, doctor, thank you for coming on and we'll have you on again to update us on the status of this. Hopefully the next time you're on this will be Alabama law. Thank you, doctor. I look forward to it, Walker. Thank you so much. All right. So, those of you in Alabama, those of you in Alabama, we have uh, Matt McCutcheon or McCutcheon McCutcheon, he is the uh, speaker of the House there in Alabama. He needs to force this bill through. He needs to push this bill through. The votes are there, according to the doctor, Dr. Lapperth, that I just interviewed. And then the governor, Kay Ivey, she also uh, needs to get phone calls.
to ensure that she signs this legislation. This is the 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 weakness and the opposition within the conservative movement, the so-called conservative movement, is astonishing. It's astonishing. This is a no-brainer topic. This should this we shouldn't even have to be actually debating legislation on this topic. Because we should have enough people with the decency to know that we don't mutilate little kids and we don't give them hormones to alter their bodies for life. You don't do that. That's inhumane. It's child abuse. It should be illegal, and this bill is making it illegal. So it's a no-brainer. But the, the, the resistance within the Republican Party for common-sense measures that affirm God's creation it's actually more pronounced than you would think. And I've got a clip here that I actually didn't plan on bringing in today, but we're going to. So you have the bill pending in Alabama that uh, the Speaker of the House in Alabama is dragging his feet on. People within the governor's mansion, they're trying to work against it. From And that's from people from inside sources there. But you move up to Maryland, and this is Governor... Larry Hogan from Maryland on CNN talking about how the Alabama, I'm sorry, the Florida bill that Governor DeSantis signed last week preventing K through three children from being indoctrinated on sex. He said it's absurd and it's a crazy fight. Clip two, let's listen. Your fellow Republican Governor DeSantis in Florida. He suggested that he will retaliate against Disney after it criticized Florida's so-called Don't Say Gay bill, which bans certain instruction about sexual orientation and gender identity in the classroom. What's your reaction to that? And then more broadly, what do you make of that legislation? Well, I didn't, law, I I didn't really actually see the details of the legislation, but the whole, the whole thing seems like uh, just a but, you know, crazy fight. Uh, I'm not sure. It's, it concerns me. The Santos is always talking about, uh, you know, he was not not demanding that businesses do things, but he was, you know, telling the cruise lines what they had to do. He was telling local schools what they had, mandating. And now he's he wants to criticize Disney for expressing, you know, how they feel about that uh, that bill. I mean, they have every right to it. We have a thing called freedom of speech. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, they can they can come out and say what they think. I think the, the bill was kind of absurd. Uh, and uh, not something that would have happened in our state. All right. The big, bad, bold, conservative Republican governor out of Maryland, Larry Hogan. Bobby, I've never heard such courage for such a time as this. Yeah, exactly. And I know you're being facetious because he has no courage whatsoever. <laughs> he no. would be the last person, and he, he, he said it absolutely right. He would never have the let's call it compunction, to try to pass legislation like that in Maryland. Yes. And as someone, I wouldn't say I'm a Republican, but someone who tends to vote that direction because people in that party tend to share my values or I tend to share their values, why is this governor still in the Republican Party? Mm. And this is what voters get so frustrated about. And I, I gave you the context of January 6th. Everybody's trying to paint January 6th as this big, bad day. No, the, 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 the politicians in Washington, they created January 6th. 
they created over decades of ignoring their voters and lying in campaign ads. They created the environment that was January 6th. And this governor, Larry Hogan, claims to be a Republican, but doesn't believe in the fundamental tenets of the Republican Party. But where is Mitch McConnell? Where is Kevin McCarthy? They are MIA, nowhere to be found. Good points. Because we got to have a big tent party. Unless you're a conservative, then you're not welcome in the tent. We got to have the big tent party. The one where people who fundamentally don't believe in our values are not only allowed in the party, but they're allowed to run the party. You see, that's where it goes wrong. If people of all backgrounds and beliefs want to vote for conservatives, go for it. But you don't get to come into the party, into the movement, and then run the movement and completely ignore the fundamental tenets of the Republican Party. But that's what Governor Hogan's doing. By criticizing the governor of Florida for passing a common sense bill. And what I would ask the governor, of course, he probably wouldn't come on the show, but hey, we'll actually reach out to him. We'll actually invite the governor of Maryland on the show. What I would ask him, but CNN's not going to do this, is Governor, would you like your child's kindergarten teacher talking about sex change surgery with your kindergartner? Would you like your daughter? who is five, six, seven-year-olds to be learning about gender and sexual identity in kindergarten? Do you want the teacher to propagate that type of disgusting information and improper information to your child? And let's see what he says. I hope he would say, no, of course not. That's the role of parents to teach their children about topics, sensitive topics, such as sex. But no, the left, including the governor of Maryland, they want to sexualize our children by allow, by allowing them to be taught at a very, very formative young age about their sexual deviancy. The sexual deviancy of the Democrat Party and all their allies in the media and the governor of Maryland. That's what they want to happen. They want to do that. They want to talk that nonsense to our little kids. And Governor DeSantis said, we're not doing it. And Republicans in Alabama said, no, we're not allowing little kids to be mutilated through surgery at a young age. Good for them. AFA at the core, be back in a few minutes. This is Trucker Dave. I travel the highways and byways of all the states east of the Mississippi River delivering freight, but I couldn't do it without American Family Radio. Twice a year, for three days at a time, we pause to celebrate how God is using American Family Radio to impact lives. Thank you, guys. Keep up the good work. We call it share and it's an opportunity for you to help us continue to make a difference. Join us April 19th through the 21st on American Family Radio. What we believe about the Bible is based on what we believe about its source. The God Who Speaks, the award-winning documentary from the American Family Association, is now available in a special limited edition DVD set. This release includes a Sunday school curriculum and two hours of additional footage. Go to thegodwhospeaks.org to get your copy today. Thegodwhospeaks.org. 
We're going to walk the streets of Colonial Williamsburg. Hello, everybody. I'm Tim Wildman, president of American Family Association and American Family Radio. We're going to see Colonial Williamsburg as well as Jamestown and Yorktown. Without those three places, I wouldn't be talking to you today. It's a very, very important place, uh, places rather, to see in our country's history. We're also going to be visiting our nation's capital and George Washington's Mount Vernon on a separate tour. Now, these tours, uh, Williamsburg, Jamestown, Yorktown, and then the separate one, Washington, D.C. and Mount Vernon, are two different tours, but they're back-to-back. So if you want to do both, you can go with us from Saturday to Saturday in June and September. For the dates, the cost, the itinerary, everything you need to know, just go to spiritualheritagetours.com, spiritualheritagetours.com. This is Life Issues with Brad Mattis, president of Life Issues Institute. Among the devastation and human carnage, Ukrainian women are giving birth in unimaginable places. One in her early 20s gave birth to a baby girl, Mia, in an underground subway station. A post on Twitter later read, a shining beacon of hope during some of the darkest times. A boy was born in the basement of a hospital damaged by attacks. A later Facebook post read, in conditions far from those who deserve a new life, the voice of the newborn, it's a boy. The wife of one who works for the Ministry of Foreign Affairs had a girl. He said, last night to the roar of Gostomel and the howling of sirens, my wife gave birth to my daughter like a star in the dark at such a difficult time. Please keep Ukraine in your prayers. For more information, visit our website at lifeissues.org and stay informed, more informed than you've ever been. AFA at the Core podcast are available at AFR.net. Back to AFA at the Core on American Family Radio. Welcome back to the core here on American Family Radio. Well, as you could tell in the first segment and opening the second segment, I just can't leave the energy discussion alone. We just got to keep talking about it. So we're going to go back to this topic. Before we do that, well, I'm going to read this story first, then we'll jump to a clip from uh, Biden's energy secretary. But everything that is being portrayed, everything that is being sold, everything that is being pitched by the media and the Biden administration is completely fake. It's completely false. And it actually, the the opposite is true in many of these scenarios. And here's one. This is out of the Daily Caller. Here's the headline. Biden's war on oil gas drilling likely to hurt environmental conservation programs. Hmm, interesting. Well, President Joe Biden's climate policy, which has led to major delays to federal oil and gas leasing programs, may hamper key bipartisan conservation programs. Shortly after taking office in January 2021, Biden ordered the Department of Interior to pause all new oil and gas leasing on federal lands and waters and initiate a review of the program's climate impacts. In its budget proposal released on Monday, the Department of Interior suggested that no new offshore lease sales would occur until at least October of 2023. The most recent offshore lease sale occurred during the Trump administration. So Jen Psaki's up at the podium. 
Now she's going over to MSNBC, but she used to be over at the podium in the White House, the Brady Briefing Room, I believe it's called. And she would say over and over again, there are thousands of leases available for oil, for drilling, for fracking. There are thousands of leases. Well, okay, that doesn't mean that they're all able to be used or viable. Thank you, Bobby. But this is an important note. The Biden administration has paused all new offshore lease sales until October of 2023. That's a nearly two-year pause on new lease sales for offshore drilling. So here is what the National Ocean Industries Association President, Eric Melito, told the Daily Caller as it relates to the offshore lease sales and how that revenue typically goes to the conservation fund that funds cleanup for all of our Gulf Coast, all of our coast, coastal lands. Here's what he said. Quote, when you don't have lease sales, you're taking money away from the Gulf Coast states for coastal resiliency. You're taking money away from the inner city parks and recreation programs. You're taking money away from national park maintenance. You're taking money away from the conservation efforts under the Land and Water Conservation Fund, end quote. So not only do these energy companies have very clean and environmentally friendly ways to seek energy from the earth, but they also use their revenue to fund conservation efforts all over the place. And in this scenario, the Gulf Coast. And so that money is drying up. So not only are we more reliant on Russia, on Saudi Arabia, on OPEC Plus for our energy, but also we're drying up the bank accounts that run all of our conservation efforts, uh, many of our conservation efforts. So if you see, if you go to the Mississippi Gulf Coast or the Florida Panhandle or anywhere along the Gulf of Mexico, and you see a little more trash, a little more debris, you can go ahead and thank the Biden administration. That's right. You can thank the Biden administration for not renewing any new uh, uh, lease sales there on in the Gulf of Mexico that fund much of the conservation efforts. Uh, jumping to this clip I want to play, this is Energy Secretary Jennifer Granholm, she is on MSNBC's All In with Chris Hayes, and she is talking about how we should be focusing solely on clean energy re solutions, renewable, making that transition. She goes on to say that we need to become energy independent with clean energy. Clip, clip three. Why should I not be depressed? It, it's. Yeah, yeah. No, I totally get it, Chris. Believe me, I think a lot of us came into this hoping that we would be focusing solely on clean energy solutions, renewable, making that transition. But we didn't anticipate that Vladimir Putin would wage war on Ukraine and cause these markets to go out of control. And so that's why the president said this is a two-step solution. One is let's increase supply right now because we're on a wartime footing and we want to <laughs> reduce people's pain at the pump and, and you know safeguard them against this incredible volatility. 
volatility. But second, we have got to use this reason to become energy independent with clean energy. We don't want to be relying upon the fossil fuel markets that are incredibly volatile or from countries that don't have our interests at heart. So ultimately, the best solution is to go clean. And that's why the second part of what he announced was invoking the Defense Production Act to help increase the building of batteries for electric vehicles in the United States. He also referred to the Weatherization Assistance Program, which we released $3.2 billion to the states to make sure that people don't use as much energy as uh, as they are right now because their homes may be leaky. We want to invest in renewables. We want to invest in the technologies that decarbonize the fossil fuel industry. And that's why this second part to become energy independent with clean energy is the medium to long term strategy. Oh, I want to pour coffee on my head and throw my pan across the room. You can't. I want to do worse than that. <laughs> <laughs> you can't decarbonize. The fossil fuel industry without destroying and eliminating the fossil fuel industry. Thank you, Marty. Goodness gracious. They are admitting on live television <laughs> that they want to destroy an entire sector of the American economy. One of the few things remaining that we actually own. It's like these folks are getting paid by our adversaries to run this country into the ground. Wait, wait, wait. I'm sorry. That's on the Biden laptop. Mm. That's what's on the Biden laptop. All the back room, all the kickbacks, all the China deals, everything, which is what the laptop is about. And we'll talk about that in a few minutes before we wrap up the show. But back to... The releasing of one million barrels a day from the strategic supply. Everyone says that's great. Gas prices going down. Folks, we've got, we're supposed to have 700 million barrels in the strategic supply. Biden's been releasing them pretty much for the last six months periodically. This strategic petroleum supply that's in Texas and other states where they house this oil, this crude oil in the ground, is meant for wartime where America is at war with a major energy producer overseas, such as an OPEC nation. America is not at war, at least I thought we weren't. But the way the Biden administration is talking we might as well be at war with Russia. She said a wartime footing. Biden's introducing the Defense, Defense Production Act because Ukraine and Russia can't get their act together. So we are at war, my friends. We just didn't know it. We are at war. Here, welcome to another 30-year war. Pay attention, folks. Welcome to another 30-year war. But back to my calculations, we're at about 515 million barrels right now. We're supposed to be at 700. So we're already ne nearly 200 million barrels short in our strategic petroleum supply that's supposed to be used for national emergencies, not because our president cut off the spigot on domestic production. Well, Biden said the other day he's going to release a million barrels a day for the next six months. Do the math on that. Do the math on that. 180 million barrels will be released from the strategic petroleum supply 
over the next six months with no plan to replenish the emergency supply. How can you replenish it when you're draining it? Why would you be delivering oil to replenish it when you're draining it with the spigot open? It doesn't make sense because if you're going to do that, let's stop the crisscrossing and let's turn the trucks towards our gas stations or our oil refineries. So there's no way that they're going to, at least it doesn't make sense, to be replenishing the strategic supply while you're also pulling from it. Why on earth would you do that? Why would you not just not release the oil from the strategic petroleum supply and instead let the private market market figure it out? So let's just assume that the administration, they're not going to restock the strategic supply at least until after these six months. This is, folks, I am not an economist. I am not an energy expert, and I'm figuring this out. It takes me a little time, but I'm figuring it out. So what we're going to do is, talking about the Biden administration, they're going to release 180 million barrels. We've only got 515 million. They're going to release 180 from that over the next six months, and then guess what's going to happen? Guess what's going to happen? Then the U.S. is going to look around, and they're going to go, uh-oh, our strategic supply is down between 300 million and 400 million. It's supposed to be at 700. So we're going to have to replenish the stockpile. So the U.S. government is going to announce a purchase of 300 million barrels from the private sector, which is going to cause the prices to go right back where they were. So it's just, it's like a circus. Everything's going around. Round and around. <laughs> and meanwhile, other countries are getting rich. The political class in Washington keeps the circus going. And they've created another crisis. Another crisis. And then they're going to come out in 12 months. Well, it'll be seven months. When we stop releasing the reserves. And then we announce we're going to do a buyback of what we just released. <laughs> Tell me how much sense this stuff makes. And then... The Biden administration is going to go do their rounds on Sunday shows, and they're going to say, folks, I'm telling you, this is why you need a Tesla. This is why you need an electric vehicle. This is why you need an electric vehicle. And then the energy secretary has the audacity to tell us that moving the electric route makes us energy independent. You get that? Using our batteries from China and Argentina makes America energy independent. So not only are we getting our aluminum and our steel for our vehicles from China, yes, a lot of steel comes from China, folks, but we are uh, also getting the energy that, that, that fuels the vehicle from China as well. So everything's made in China. At best, we might assemble the vehicles here. And that's, that's on a good day. We might, if not, Mexico's going to assemble them for us, and then they'll drive them across the border on a, I don't know what they're going to drive them across the border on, because we can't use diesel. We can't use a diesel-run train. That's dirty. <laughs> Can you imagine the picture of driving all the Teslas to their final destination on a diesel-burning truck or a train that sure is irony but i'm telling you what's going on here so in five years in 10 years 
in 20 years when they've completely demolished the fossil fuel industry and into oblivion. They completely demolished, no more fracking, no more drilling, energy prices skyrocketing, continuing to skyrocket. And we're all driving around in our electric vehicles and the government's telling us how many miles we can drive a day. They will shift the narrative, folks. Mark my word, and in 30 years, I'll pull this podcast back up and I'll replay it. They will shift the narrative, and here will be the new narrative. The lithium uh, batteries are dirty. The lithium batteries are dirty, and in order to get the lithium for the batteries, we've got to destroy God's creation by digging up ground upon ground upon ground, destroying forests, destroying the Amazon. We're just going to have to ride our bikes to work. We're just going to have to ride our bikes to work because we can't keep using this lithium to make the batteries for the electric vehicles, and it's so dirty, and it's evil, and it's morally bankrupt. If you care about this planet, folks, heat your house with wood light your candle your eco-friendly candle and ride your bike to work all right that's gonna be our world in about 30 or 40 years unless we turn this thing around we need people with common sense who recognize that god created and god sustains this planet And until we have people in charge that recognize God's sovereignty over this planet and our stewardship duty, they're going to keep making terrible decisions that actually, in the long run, hurt God's creation. We'll see you next time. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.